Out of the bullpen and out of the bound, it's the second hour of the Sports Talk. Evan Kahn has joined the fun. I'm your host, Scott Beatty, as well. And we're headed till 6 o'clock. White Sox baseball tonight, starting their series against Texas. And game two, the Cubs and Cardinals as well tonight. Well, we've got some baseball items to get to. Preps is on the mind. We've had a parade of high school football stars coming through our facility this week. Colin Likas will weigh in on that and other items. And we'll bring you a conversation that Joey Wright had with Muhammad's head football coach, John Adkins, and linebacker Nick Golden this hour. So that's all on the docket. If you have anything to weigh in about on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, please do so, 217-351-5357. Somebody's got to win them. Somebody's got to lose them. There's no ties in baseball. And the Cardinals win today a Lars Newtbar walk-off single after he tied the game as part of a three-run comeback in the seventh inning. And Cubs got out to a 3 nothing lead. Marcus Stroman's... Really good start, wasted, if you will, uh, and and the Cardinals will obviously a lot to play for. Battle back. Just uh, a, another baseball game. It was um, a good baseball game. And, and for for Stroman, I mean, you take out that last inning, and, and I think he's got like a sub two ERA over the last two months. There, there's been a, a injury, an IL stint in there in between. But there's that third time through the order for you once again, bites you as it does so many times. And then say a Suzuki looked like he he had a play, might have been a, a little deep, and made it a, a little tougher for him because Nolan Arenado is not the fastest base runner as we saw from second to home but it was quick enough the Cardinals now within a game I believe a half a game of the Brewers a chance to tie for first I think here tonight uh, if they're able to to pull off the win and as we've kind of chatted about off the air I don't know about so much on the air but now that the Cardinals got a, a couple starting pitchers we'll see Jose Quintana in his first Cardinals start here in the nightcap now they've got to be focused on winning that division because you don't want to be in a three-game series to def- decide if you get into the real playoffs playing all three games on the road so got to take care of the Cubs got to take care of the Brewers and they'll do it again tonight down at Bush half game out for half those of you keeping game. track it is time to scoreboard watch. Yeah, you, you can finally, scoreboard yes, watch in August. Yes, for sure, yeah. Everybody's made their decisions as far as if they thought they were buyer-sellers or they were just going to stay pat. So now you keep an eye on, on those teams and, and you start seeing who's got the tougher schedule and the easier schedule and, and all that nonsense as we get into the dog days. These are more so yesterday, early on in the day. It was 90 degrees, got 90% humidity out there. Those are the, the dog days of August that they talk about. The reason the Cardinals are within a half game today is because they won, and then the Buckos walked it off mm. on Milwaukee today, winning 5-4. to four. The Pirates are 20 games under five hundred. The Cubs are 21 games under five hundred, so they're uh, uh, battling for cellar dwelling there. But the Brewers lose again. Uh, I think Lauren said the Brewers get swept away by the Pirates. It sounds right. Yeah, I'm that's worth a trying sheesh. To, trying to pull up here. They went with the they went with Matt Bush, the the new reliever that they got from Texas to to close this one out. It, it looks like it, and he gave up the run. It's just a, a very weird dynamic when you change the major league 
roster makeup in season. You you can add pieces, and usually it's good. But once you start trying to take away key contributors or, or try to replace them with somebody else, I just think back to 2014 when the A's thought, we've got enough offense, we'll ship Ioannis Cespedes to the Red Sox and get John Lester. They were far and away the best team in the AL, and kind of messed up their offense they ended up in the wild card game John Lester we got revealed that he can't throw to first and then they were out of the playoffs real quick so the the Brewers although I kind of applauded the move a couple of days ago that'll be something to watch to see if they can hold down in the back end of that pin because Josh Hader has been that guy for what four or five seasons now even when he has his moments when he faces the Cubs you you wonder a little bit but most of the time he's nails in that ninth inning and you're losing games against the Pirates in the second half of the season and you're trying to win a division that's a that's a tough look yeah I I don't think you'll look back on this and go boy that was like trading away Lou Brock or something I mean it's easy to say what were you thinking if this somehow goes south but you could you can see the logic of why they did it and what they're what they're mm-hmm. thinking and you and you have to make long-term moves as well as short-term moves. San Diego's in a position where they want to see if they can <laughs> short-term win this thing, but they're all also made a long-term move to mm-hmm. not just be relevant this year, but they want to be relevant the next several years and in their minds hopefully a decade with a guy like Juan Soto, but <laughs> you need more than just one piece to do that. Mm-hmm. And they have several pieces right now, by the way, the Padres are Losing six nothing at last uh, look to the Colorado Rockies. Other all, other games, uh, the Dodgers over the Giants in the eighth. Athletics, uh, it's five two the score. Athletics lead the Angels eight four. A lot of day games go on here on on Thursdays. But mm-hmm. yeah, game two of the doubleheader tonight from the Cubs and Cardinals, and then the White Sox at the Rangers tonight. Johnny Cueto on the hill. One of Ace. The, yeah, yeah, he's you know. <laughs> You, and on the flip side, let, let's just forget Dylan Cease for a moment. Let's just say Cueto becomes your best pitcher this year. <laughs> you can't look back and say, well, that was brilliant. No, that was a strategic move to see if you could get a veteran arm that maybe has something in him um, in a, on, on, the, on the backside of his career. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like we knew something nobody else didn't. Yeah, he fact. signed a minor league contract. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and, and so... That, that's that's not a boy Rick Hahn, yeah, it was a brilliant move. I mean, glad it worked, and that's why you do it. And look what you found with Dylan Cease now. That's why he's in there. But you, at some point, you got to have their, your 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 dudes be dudes. And the White Sox are playing a lighter schedule, so I think that's going to bolster the look of their starting rotation. But they're just kind of limping along. They are two games over five hundred. By the way, Michael Massey back in the lineup again. For the Kansas City Royals tonight, they start a series with the Boston Red Sox, and he's hit safely in all four Major League games that he's been in. So that's a hit streak. <laughs> that is indeed a hit streak. And I uh, read a, a couple little things last night, and, uh, you, you know, came from the leader himself in Mike Matheny, but it really does read like the Royals are going to give him a, a shot to stick around here for, for the last two months. They're going to get him as many ABs as possible to see if he can stick around as a Major Leaguer. So we'll get to watch a, a lot of Michael 
Michael Massey in the the bigs here for the for the last two months, and, and for the White Sox, you, you mentioned the pitching, and that's here recently started to to pick up a little bit. I think they had their best month of the season uh, back in July, where they were four or five games over five hundred, and that starts with Giolito getting getting it going at home. He did that this week. Lance Lynn finally had one that wasn't a clunker. You you need that, and, and then Cease and Cueto have been the the two guys to get it going, and Kopech has been pretty solid he he's been the one who, who's kind of fallen off here lately so it, it comes from from all sides for for the White Sox uh bullpen figuring things out pitching staff they're they're trying to the the starters are trying to get some innings and, and the lineup they can hit a whole lot of singles and when they hit extra base hits it seems like nobody else is on base so if they can put those two things together there there's still a chance I think they're what game and a half back two games back in the central now so Two games back. Last hour, we talked with Will Teeman from the Michigan State Spartan Radio Network and got a little touch point there with one of the Illini football opponents on the schedule. We'll try to do that here as we lead up to the August 27th season opener as we go along in the next several weeks. Touch base with some of the uh, writers and broadcasters around the Big Ten and maybe even some non-con. We'll see. Uh, about the Illini opponents and what the vibe is in all of that. Also, a reminder that hey, we're only three months away from basketball season as well. Today was a practice number five for Illinois football. They got that one uh, in the books. Uh, there was a bit of focus post-game interviews on the offensive line as Bart Miller talked uh, today and uh, feels good about where they are uh, offensive on the offensive line. Of course, what else will they, are they going to say? But uh, <laughs> there is, uh, he, he specifically pointed out that uh, Alex Pilstrom's been having a good camp. He cited there Josh Crutes uh, and uh, mm-hmm. Zy Chrysler. Almost sounded to me like, is Zy Chrysler uh, on, on he, he, he did not explicitly name the front line, but, you know, we obviously know that, uh, you know, Pilstrom and Palcheski are mm-hmm. uh, on, the, on the front ends, but, uh, you know, there's about six or seven guys there in the mix for the for the whole thing. Um, so yeah, and uh, a lot of a lot of big there in the freshman group, as we know. And he emphasized that this is what Big Ten linemen are supposed to look like. These are <laughs> obviously guys that aren't going to be playing this year, unless something really has gone wrong, mm-hmm. or something's gone really right. But uh, you know, with uh, um, Magnus Moeller and Joey Okla and Clayton Leonard and all these guys as part of that freshman crew, they're feeling good about the future of of the guys up front. They got s- some great upperclassmen to learn from. Uh, you, you mentioned a, a number of them. I, I'm guessing you were saying with Chrysler, he figures into that one rotation. I'm guessing Julian Pearl probably yeah. does as well. So now you've got four or five. But Josh Kroontz, there's a, a an underclassman. He comes in as a sophomore, I believe. Yeah, um, Isaiah Adams, the transfer into the, the junior level too. so so they've got six seven eight guys and, and nobody really into a position we, we've seen Pauchesky move from from left side to right side inside outside we, we know he can play all over pearls played both sides he even played a, a little guard I think when lovey was here a, as well so they've got some movable pieces in those freshmen yeah they they've got baby faces on them but they've got some some good bones for 18 year olds but by the time that, that they're 20 they'll look like real big 10 offensive linemen <laughs> Palcheski, I think got that right tackle uh that's thing, right. uh locked down here but you know i mean bart miller said hey even even that's up for grabs pointing to the nature of 
nobody should be comfortable in their their spot that it's you know the old it's it's earned not given kind of <laughs> kind of thing but i, well, I, I think the, we're pretty safe in palcho starting yeah yeah and there's you know not a whole lot of world beaters you know guaranteed draft picks a lot of solid talent on the offensive line but nobody for sure like you said maybe maybe palcheski but even he yeah i wonder he about hobbled. a healthy palcheski right. maybe we're, he's drafted we want to yeah. see we want to see him healthy for a full season and put it all together but uh lot lot of talent a lot of hope there on that offensive line as has been the case for the last few years i'd love to know who the nose tackle is going to be i'd love to know who the starting <laughs> uh, outside linebackers are going to be but we may not know until August 27th. Uh, high school football and more on the mind as well. We'll visit with Colin Likas when we come back. You've got Sports Talk. It's Sports Talk. This is Thursday, in case you didn't know that, which means you are a day away from Friday and can only get better from here, right? Welcome back. I'm Scott. Evans here. And Colin Likas, our friend from the pages of the News Gazette, host of Prep Football Confidential, and maybe the busiest man in the building this week. And that's saying a lot (laughs) in a building full of busy people, if I do say so myself. You've been host to a number of high school athletes. And by all accounts, from what I'm hearing, they they are living it up here in their media spotlight you are affording them yeah you could probably hear some of them throughout the the building at different times they really are uh they really do seem to be enjoying it the uh first ever of what we hope are several many news gazette prep football media days bringing in kids from all of our local football programs uh, three kids per school and a coach to tell us a little bit more about their programs and uh what we should be looking forward to uh we put out a, a special section before the start of every football season you know, we, we we highlight each program in some way. The theme of it this year is going to be why we love football, and we brought these kids in to help explain why we should love football in their respective communities. So they've uh, they've really dished on a lot of great stuff, on traditions, on things we need to know behind the scenes, you know, stuff that might not come out during the course of any typical game or any typical interview, uh, things that make these programs tick. And so we've learned a lot of good stuff this week, and we've got – uh, one more day this week, and we got a few programs coming in on Monday next week uh, to to make up for not being able to make it in, make it in this week. And yeah, it's been an extremely productive week so far. Also, with the hot weather too, it's a nice touch of you to offer up the Virgin daiquiris to the players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wasn't uh, that was that was jo- that was Joey Wright's idea actually. That wasn't my <laughs> idea. Speaking of Joey Wright, we're gonna play his <laughs> play his interview with uh, with John Adkins and Nick mm-hmm. Golden from Muhammad's football squad they're looking for big things again maybe even more than what they had last year but uh the uh, the other big news item um and 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 i know you have your ear to the ground on on all the insider politics here in champaign (laughs) um because sports and politics are intersecting here sports and government at least (laughs) it is going to be on the city council yes uh, agenda to look at a central varsity game over at mckinley field on September 24th mm-hmm. against Urbana. Yes, it is on the on the docket now. Uh, Deb Pressy did a great job reporting on that matter uh, in today's News Gazette. Uh, obviously, just been a lot of talk around that over the last month or so. Well, well longer than that, but the last month it's really picked up traction. Um, you know, there uh, some of the central players 
with Coach Tim Turner. Went to a uniform board meeting last month, you know, trying to make their case. Just give us one game over at McKinley Field. It's our home facility. We practice there. We have JV and freshman games there. Let us have varsity game there. Uh, intergovernmental agreement said, no, you can't do that. That was set back in, what, 2018 or so. Uh, then, you know, some of the Central kids are going door-to-door in the community around McKinley trying to get people to, you know, show some support, which they said largely was pretty successful. Some people weren't weren't for it, but a lot of people seemed like they were willing to give the kids an opportunity. And, uh, yeah, now the, the school district has officially put in wanting the city council to take a look at this and see if they can find a workaround for it. So, I'm curious to see what the result of this is. Obviously, the the, the thing the, the athletes have been campaigning for is the one game against Urbana in week uh, four or five uh, in the middle of September. Uh, the interesting thing that people have pointed out is the signs that are in some people's yards do say playing central football games, plural, at McKinley <laughs> Field. So it's one of those things where you start with the Urbana game, you see where it goes from there. Um, I mean, it's going to be a Saturday afternoon game if they get it to go through. So you're not talking Friday Night Lights with a bunch of, uh, with a massive crowd of people under the cover of darkness or anything like that. Uh, but hopefully, it would be a good crowd that would come out on a Saturday afternoon and let these kids have the opportunity to experience some varsity football on that beautiful multi-million-dollar turf field that they have over there. <laughs> Imagine being going to that door and and saying. Hey, can can we play football on our home field and having the gumption to say nah, nah? You <laughs> no, know, thank you. the the wheel is on at that time. I don't need all that ruckus oh, yeah. over at your your football field. I, I love the wheel of fortune. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do too. I, I, it's compelling. It, it's it's not bad. A nice way to get ready for a ball game. Yeah. But uh, speaking of varsity games happening, yeah. uh, kind of surprised when I saw that Fisher is not going to field a, a varsity team. I thought if I remember back a couple of three years ago. So they had a, a pretty solid team, a, a good yep. run in, in the playoffs, but now the the numbers aren't there. Yeah, 2018 and 2019, they uh, won first-round playoff games each of those two years, uh, which constitutes some of the longest postseason runs in Fisher football history. I mean, some people might laugh at that, but when you consider the fact that we're talking about a school less than 200 kids, I mean, it's nothing to laugh at. They've been p- competing hard in Class 1A football for many years. The last time they didn't have a team was in the very early 1990s, and that was just for one season. Then they got back on track. So, yeah, it, it's something where if you get a couple classes in a row that just they don't have the numbers for kids to come out and play football, then you're kind of stuck. I mean, you can't really – you can. You could throw a bunch of freshmen and sophomores out to the Wolves in, mm-hmm. you know, in heart of Illinois conference play, but uh, they did, the, the school district over there, Fisher, didn't think that was a, a healthy safety move. Uh, I can understand where they're coming from, certainly. Uh, obviously, the frustrating for the, the returning varsity athletes. There wasn't a large number. There's only one senior on that roster, mm-hmm. Colin Coleman, but you, know, you still feel for them. Uh, at least they get to play football, get to play some junior varsity games. They'll play a full schedule of games there. Um, and, and hopefully they're highly competitive. And uh, yeah, but it, it is tough. I mean, you never want to see a program and a community that is so uh, sports crazed as Fisher lose a varsity season under those Friday night lights. Now you're probably playing your games on Monday afternoons, mm-hmm. Monday evenings. It's just a different feeling, different vibe. But hopefully those kids can have some fun uh, during the, the the JV season they get to have. And hands down, the best helmet. Oh yeah. In 
the state. Yeah, it's we've got fun. one, don't we? We do. It's in the back of my car. Phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal helmet. Yeah, he but carries I, it around all the yeah, time. But I, I mean, the, the other part of that, <laughs> he gets out of tickets. Who yeah. needs a lucky rabbit's foot when you've got a bunny <laughs> helmet? Got a bunny helmet. <laughs> it's, it's, the, the other Officer, part. Officer, have you seen this helmet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I'm letting <laughs> you off with a warning. <laughs> the other part of that, of course, is you know the teams that are were on Fisher's schedule obviously have to find games to to replace now uh, for us locally. That's that's four teams locally. Um, Villa Grove actually just today they were supposed to play play Fisher in week one and they actually just happened to find an opponent earlier today. Uh, lucky they don't have to travel. They're bringing uh, Bureau Valley in. If you don't know where Bureau Valley is, it's in Manlius. It's about three hours away from here. So. I know exactly where Bureau Valley yeah, is. Bureau Valley is going to be making a trip to Villa Grove uh, later this month. So that's that's a heck of a that's heck a, of a trek for that's them. That's the Beatty uh, Clan settle is settlement out there. I, so. I wonder how that works. Yeah. Or how I, I guess you just hope not hope, but you find other teams mm-hmm. that have had teams cancel yep. game seasons, and that's just kind of how that works that out. That is exactly how that works hmm. out so port byron riverdale also canceled their varsity season and port uh, byron riverdale is supposed to face uh supposed to face bureau valley in week one so um yeah and leroy's another team that uh, lost a game a week eight game against fisher they're going to play morrison which is not anywhere close to here either hmm. i'm not sure off the top of my head if that's a road or away game and then gibson city and, and ridgeview are two teams that still have just outright lost opponents and haven't been able to fill the vacancy. Yeah, but have you heard what UCLA and USC are going to have to do? (laughs) Fair point, but uh, GCMS football doesn't have a plane to get on, unfortunately. That's not right. How would, like, a co-op work? I I realize now in August is probably Mm -hmm. tough, but is that something, like, had they known that they weren't going to have the numbers that – Fisher could be like, hey, we've got 12 kids that can come play for insert school here. I feel like that's something that has to be run by the school board far before this point. Um, Yeah, that's certainly something you could do. I mean, it just I I don't know what the exact timelines are for things like that, but I feel like you would have to bring that before a school Mm -hmm. board or two school boards or three school boards (laughs) well well before, you know, mid-July or something like that, so. Colin Likas is here with us. Who do you like out of the Big 12? Who do I like out of the Big 12? Well, I think you got to start with uh, Centennial. They obviously won a Class 6A postseason game last year. Uh, upset is a 14 seed over Chicago Kenwood on the road. That was a huge win for that program. Graduated a lot of seniors from that team, but they are also returning a lot of kids with varsity playing experience. Uh, we had a few of those athletes in here today as part of our media days, and those, those Centennial kids are fired up. They... Uh, they gained a lot of confidence just by, you know, having a winning season and winning a playoff game and just getting back in the, the right side of the win column last year. I mean, we're not very far removed from in 2019. Centennial football went 0-9 and gave up 96 points to Peoria in their week one game. I mean, <sighs> this team has, has experienced a pretty monumental turnaround in the last three years. So they're probably the uh, the local favorite in that, in that league for us. Danville's always a harder team to track. Uh, they... Have kind of hovered around just above 500 for the last few years, but they have the potential always to just kind of go on runs. Seems like Danville just produces really strong athletes who kind of pop out of the woodwork. Uh, Champaign Central has been kind of in a youth movement for a while now. They're still a pretty young team, but they seem pretty confident in what they have. And Tim Turner's a great coach, so I'm hoping the Maroons can get back on track. And then kind of the goal for Urbana. Uh, stay on the field. That's mm. the major goal for the Tigers, and you hope for those kids' sake that they get to, to have a, a longer varsity season than they have for the past couple of years. And a team that uh, is going to be featured twice on our Game of the Week broadcasts on Light Rock 97.5 is Monticello. And, yeah. of course, uh, 
they they continue to make uh, a big noise. I'm told they're going to play a, an out-of-state team. Yeah, they're uh, playing a team from Wisconsin uh, up in Milwaukee. They're traveling to Milwaukee for that game. Uh, so Olympia uh, decided to, to leave the Illini Prairie Conference, and uh, the schedules for football had already been set. So all the Illini Prairie, it's a closed conference, so all the Illini Prairie Conference teams had to go just find a, another opponent to play. Mm-hmm. And uh, Monticello got extremely creative with their opponent, went and found a team out in Milwaukee. I mean, you can you can play teams from out of state. There's nothing against It counts. Yeah, it absolutely mm-hmm. counts. I mean, you're not going to really get any I don't know how playoff points work for that necessarily because it's not IHSA wins, but I guess you're just counting wins all the same. So as long as the team you're playing against is part of that state's high school sports organization, you should get the wins to count toward your playoff points. Not, not, what, what was the, I've already forgot it. Bishop Sycamore. Or yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> as long as it's a real yeah, high the, school. If you if you play them, I don't think you get any playoff points, unfortunately. But <laughs> Maybe maybe we need to do some digging. Could you go ahead yeah. and send that check ahead of time? That'd be great. Yeah. No, Coley, I'm sure Coley Walters did, did all the verification Oh, necessary. I guarantee you that, yeah. I mean, Tuscola played an Indiana team last year. Um, you know, eight-man football teams. Now we have more eight-man football teams in the state, but early on it was common to see eight-man teams travel out of the state to go play somebody when, when we didn't have a lot of teams. Did Lauren get to interview the, the Sages? He did He did get to shake hands with them. So uh, we told him he played for the Sages back in the uh, the early 1990s. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and they, they had yeah, a good Yeah, that gym there, that's time. the house that Lauren built. <laughs> that's right. Not the 1890s. Yeah. <laughs> but they, they seemed to really enjoy seeing him, yeah. And uh, – Learned some really interesting things about uh, Cully Welter, the the man too. Cully Welter, the coach, has this you know air of just calm confidence around him, and he he wasn't able to make it yesterday. One of his assistant coaches, Mike Allen, came in in his place, and lo and behold, we learned during the course of the the, uh, the little press conference we had, the Cully Welter, big Tupac fan. So you know things things we w- probably wouldn't have known if we had just asked Cully Welter outright. He plays well in Piatt County. <laughs> what was the most? I, I don't want to spoil too much from the special section, yeah. but the the single most interesting thing you've learned this week from the student athletes. That's probably one of the most interesting things <laughs> I've learned. That uh, Collie Walters into some. He's probably like, he's probably night. not that old though, right? Well, no, no. Call so him. so you know he came up on this. Yeah, stuff. it's true. It's it's just. I don't know what I expected exactly. <laughs> like you don't you don't want to pigeonhole anybody into liking certain kinds of music. But More of a George Strait, Merle Haggard I, guy. I, I guess he does not like country music. I guess that's the call. So there you go. Um, that's where he and Lauren part ways, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're not going to go to the Rose Bowl. <laughs> yeah, you cannot. Ju- you just you cannot pigeonhole anybody. But yeah, the most most interesting thing. I mean, we've brought twenty five teams through so far. A lot of things are tending to to run together at this point, but. I've just been really happy with the way that the kids, by and large, have kind of responded to this event. You know, groups of kids that have come in have been super excited to do stuff like this. You know, Champaign Central kids were leaving saying how, how cool it was. And Muhammad and Monticello and Centennial have brought, and Rantoul as well, have brought some really just vibrant uh, kids in here. I mean, Rantoul, a program that has struggled to win football games for the last several years, are coming in here full of confidence and just happiness to be doing something like this and to be able to show off Rantoul football a little bit. Uh, that's the biggest takeaway for me at this point. I'll go back and listen to all these mm-hmm. these interviews and I'll remember stuff that was said like, oh yeah, that was a, that was a cool tidbit that I you know, probably should just remember. But you know, right now you re- remember more of the kids' reactions to, to stuff like that. Very good, Colin. Well, uh, you are 
busy typing away over there. You got something? Well, else? I just I saw you've been you guys have been doing this ten years later series. Yeah. Oh yeah. Kind of what what has that reaction been like? Getting mm-hmm. to, to talk to to folks reflecting on. I mean, these are these are grown ups now, yeah. and, and <laughs> just thinking back to their high school. What has that response been like? Yeah. So real daiquiris, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's just an idea I sort of just came up with, and uh, it was like I wonder what happened what was happening in 2012 in the fall of 2012 10 years ago and it turns out we just had a bunch of teams that were doing really really <laughs> well uh, competitively uh, st thomas more boys cross country won a state championship unity wa- earned one of its six state runner-up trophies centennial placed third in class 3a in volleyball um, there's a couple more soccer stories I still have in the hopper. Urbana and Uni High both play second at, in state tournaments. And it's just that's a crazy amount of success for the, for this area in a single single fall. Uh, the reaction to it's been great. I got a message from a St. Thomas More parent who was really happy just to to see the see the story. I mean, you got in that story. I had six kids and a coach. You know, just regaling memories of the time one kid had an appendicitis and they <laughs> thought it was just cramps and they had him pushed through a workout and then he's in the hospital afterward. Like it's those things that go into a, a season that ended with a state championship. That it's like, man, I'm gonna remember that forever. <laughs> yeah, just just really cool to get these these folks to regale stories from from 10 years ago because almost everyone I talked to without without even thinking about it was like it's been 10 years come on mm-hmm. like time time is flying by they're absolutely shocked by that so yeah uh cool stuff because you know for me I I didn't start this job until 2014 so I had no idea about really any of these people maybe just besides a passing mention of their name we so, were all so innocent back then yeah <laughs> a lot has changed so really cool to dive back into that and uh, share some stories with people who may not have known those stories beforehand. By the way, for all the teams that have been coming in this week, did I hear right that one student <laughs> uh, disrupted a vacation uh, yeah. just to come back for this, that that, that, that he was many hours away and many and, hours away and, and wanted to come back for this he did uh paxton's kendall swanson yeah a lineman he was in nashville tennessee not nashville indiana nashville or illinois nashville tennessee <laughs> and uh drove back up here with his parents and they I, as far as i'm aware they drove back down too so um yeah we really appreciate that i think bob osmussen is writing about kendall for a uh, top of the morning in tomorrow's paper um yeah pretty crazy commitment his coach josh pritchard told him you know you don't have to do it. we can find somebody else to do it since you're in tennessee he's like no i want to be part of this my senior year yeah. and he had a great time uh he, he represented well with his fellow paxton teammates and uh, we were glad to have him so uh really appreciate it's gonna that. be tough when you tell him his part of the article got cut <laughs> <the final print laughs> we're gonna make sure that doesn't happen we'll make sure that he is he is part of the show i'm just kidding that is pretty cool yeah. there's a neat venture you guys are doing and i know it, it's uh, many extra hours, but I think it's going to be well worth it, and it's mm-hmm. going to serve uh, all the players and and everyone interested in high school football around here. Yeah, well, I agree, I agree. All right, won't be long to get your show going as well, so we'll be talking. Appreciate it, Colin. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. That Thanks is Colin Likus, and uh, we're going to hear more from some athletes that came through here in just a moment. Hey, I've been telling you about CU Trade Services and their service plans that they offer you. It's something you can get on for maybe just one particular aspect like your HVAC system or maybe uh, home maintenance. If you happen to be one of those folks, I'm willing to admit it that's maybe not as handy and maybe doesn't gravitate towards the do-it-yourself stuff. Well, get on the maintenance plan with CU Trade Services. They'll 
identify issues before they become big problems. It's also maybe a good gift if you're thinking about something for uh, someone in your home that maybe you want your own home taken care of or or maybe somebody else that is a homeowner and needs those kinds of things. And they've got all the trades right there in-house, HVAC, electrical, and plumbing. They uh, rely on each other. They get together. They game plan together on all the projects they're working on. CU Trade Services doing business a little bit differently and becoming quite popular. Their work speaks for themselves. You can check them out online, cutradeservices.com. That's cutradeservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. It's Sports Talk, and as we've had opportunity to talk to so many high school athletes this week coming through, feature one of the interviews we've had. Our very own Joey Wright sat down with Muhammad Seymour's head coach, John Atkins, as well as linebacker Nick Golden. Here is their chat. Big ambitions for Muhammad Seymour football this season, coming off a tremendous 2021 campaign, 11-1 and uh, trip to the third round of the IHSA 5A playoffs. And, guys, let's start there. Coach Adkins, what are you looking forward to in, in the fall of 2022 now, coming off such a good year last year? Yeah, you know, it's always nice to be at home uh, for, for week one, you know, and, and get a get to kind of um, share that experience, you know, the, of the home opener of the week one of the season with our fans and 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 band and cheerleaders and and community for for that matter. Um, so so extremely excited about that, and and then more so, you know, for us personally, kind of excited for for our kids to showcase um, kind of where they've came since since last, uh, you know, since our season ended last year uh, against that that Morton loss. So so to get a rebound and and have that week one at home, and then it to be against Morton uh, to show the improvements and and how hard we've worked in the off season. Um, just just really looking forward to that week one opportunity and that's of course kind of the angle for week one you know you add in uh, high expectations for the coming season and and a playoff rematch on top of that you don't get that uh, so you know you don't get that every day but it kind of worked out this fall so that'll be that'll be fun to watch on august 26th and nick as coach mentioned you guys have made some strides this offseason everyone's really fired up tell me about what the defense has done and what the bulldogs defensive unit has planned for the fall right yeah so the defense this year is is we're gonna play aggressive. We're gonna be we're gonna be real fired up for the the week one game versus Morton, and it kind of kind of goes without saying that we really want that one. And defensively, we're gonna stick to what we know, and um, hopefully we'll be able to get the job done. It's a defensive unit that likes to have some fun. We were talking before we hopped behind the mic, and you guys have, for those that don't know much about Muhammad Seymour football, a turnover thrown, kind of like you know what you'd see at the University of Miami with the turnover chain, and a lot of schools have those kinds of things. But you guys actually have a, a king-size throne that players can go have a seat in after they force a turnover. Right, yeah. So we have the turnover thrown, and uh, it kind of came about by just – you know, we were scrolling through social media and we saw a team celebrating with with a throne, and and a couple couple teammates of mine were like, "Yeah, we got to do this," and so we kind of we got an old chair and uh, we spray painted it, uh, put some crows on there, and uh, we had our turnover thrown, and uh, it 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 definitely gets us going, gets the crowd going, and uh, it's it's what makes us who we are. 
We're joined right now by Nick Golden. He is a senior on Muhammad Seymour's football team, plays linebacker. Head coach John Adkins also in here with us. And Coach Adkins, take me inside the locker room a little bit and the culture that you guys have instilled. What's it like being a Bulldog, and, and what are some fun traditions you guys have that you know every school might not? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, to say uh, you know that in my four years here that our locker room has, has changed tremendously, I think would be an understatement. Uh, whether it's the new fresh paint on the walls, or you know now we got a couple couches in there and a, and a TV <laughs> and new sound system and and you know clock up on the wall and everything. It just you're absolutely right. It's 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 added to the culture that that we've continued to try to build here at the school and and credit to Nick and, and obviously all, all of his teammates and, and the rest of the kids in the program for for buying into this culture you know and and several guys have ended up saying um, you, you know that they might not go home after school or or would definitely show up to, to practice two hours early you know just to kind of you know be in there for for that atmosphere and that environment um, and like you mentioned the the overall culture that we've created. And on a personal level, tell me what it means to you to be the head coach of this program. You know, you've got the Muhammad community, the Seymour community, and, and Muhammad is a town that can evolve rapidly growing, a lot of energy in just the city as a whole right now. What does it mean to you to be kind of at the helm of you know, everything? And football drives so much at Muhammad Seymour. No doubt. It, it's been a dream job of mine since I was a junior in high school. We uh, got beat out of the second round of the playoffs, and, and I was bored, and I'm a football junkie, and so I drove about 30 minutes north uh, for me and, and got a chance to experience an incredible environment and atmosphere and, and absolutely just fell in love with the Muhammad Seymour community. And then, you know, as I get older and have kids, the, the school district and, and, and everything else, um, it it has, and, and again, I know it's kind of a cliche saying, but but it's it's been a dream job of mine since since I was younger, um, and so now to kind of get to live out your dream uh, for me personally has has been incredible. It's been a great ride, um, a little emotional for me going into this year. You know, this being my fourth year, and and this kind of being my first class of you know seeing all the way through. Um, but but absolutely, I'm 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 blessed to be able to do what I, I get to do, and 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 unbelievably excited and, and thankful for the opportunity to go to work every day. And one more for you, Coach, before we let you go. If you had to boil down Muhammad Seymour football to one thing, if there's one thing people should know about the Bulldogs, you know, maybe they don't follow Muhammad Seymour football or even high school football in the area so much, what's, what's one thing you want people to know about this group? Mm, man, uh, it's, it's tough, right? And, and so if I had to pick one word, I would, I would say special. Um, they're a special group of kids to be around. It's a special culture. It's a special place to work. And like you mentioned earlier, uh, to not only for the kids' sake to get to play football in that special environment, um, but then the community as a whole. It's, it's, it's just special. It's a football town with a football atmosphere, and, and Friday Night Lights are, are incredible, again, to be a part of. And, and so if I had to pick one word, I, I would just sum everything up with, with special. A special season, perhaps, on the horizon for the Bulldogs. Lofty ambitions, lofty goals for a team that made the third round of the IHSA 5A playoffs a season ago. They opened the season at home against Morton on August 26th. Guys, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. That is John Adkins, Nick Golden from Muhammad Seymour. Thanks to Joey Wright for that conversation. We're back to wrap after this. Headed up on the finish line of this one. Our usual Funky Friday is on tap tomorrow. Matt, Allie, Bob, and we'll see what else turns up as well. Captain episodes five and six coming tonight, I think. 
You gonna watch? Uh, no. Can't still, get in? Still haven't, no. They left it on a cliffhanger. The 04 ACL yet, a- ACLS has uh, not yet started. I don't, I don't know, know what's going to happen I don't know there. what happened next. Oh, God. I'm going to have to tune in to, to find out. No, Look, it is, I, I, it's the unofficial start of football season tonight as they've got the Hall of Fame oh game. Oh, gosh. I saw out in things to bet on on the Hall of Fame game. Wow. You know there's plenty of degenerates out there who wow. will. I can't. There's, there's money to be made tonight. I can't spend a minute watching the Hall of Fame game. No, I won't either. We've still got a, another Cub Cardinal game. We'll have White Sox here on DWS. And I'm really interested in getting ready to this Woodstock 99 <laughs> documentary that everybody's talking about. I wasn't al- I was alive, but obviously I don't really remember much when I was 3. So, I've got some learning to do, got some sports to do. We'll get to the football season. I could tell you a thing or two about 1999. <laughs> Let's just start with that, all right? <laughs> One day we're going to find out what happened at that Micron PC bowl. Wild things. And quarterback <laughs> caught a pass. No, crazy. there's more. There's got to be more. All right, well, back tomorrow. Thanks to all that were a part of the program today, and thanks to Ed Bond for his help. This is News Talk 1400, 93.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Good night.